Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk. Let's face it. Happy Sunday, everyone. It's Sunday, February the 21st. We're your hosts for the evening. Thanks for joining us. How's everybody doing? Great, great, great. Bless and highly flavored. I'm good. Did you say highly flavored? Highly flavored. Oh, Father. Go ahead now, Nate. How you highly flavored, baby? You know, Alicia, today has just been a wonderful day for me, you know. Come on now. I woke up I woke up to go to church and I didn't go. <laughs> okay. Because Why something on the inside for? wanted to just suck with the Lord by myself. It didn't want to be around a whole bunch of people. Okay. So I put them covers back over my head and the Lord used me. Oh, okay. What he tell you? He used covers. me today, Alicia. Covers message. Mm. Well, we didn't really have a sermon. You know, he just, you know, he okay. spoke to my heart. It was like a quiet talk. Sometimes we have these quiet talks. Uh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I feel you. It was quiet. <laughs> Peace be still. All right. How was your weekend? <sighs> I'm gonna let Liz take that one first. Liz, My weekend was, was really weekend, good. It was good. Um, I moved in. My best okay. friend. Yeah, so I've been moving all weekend. I finally settled down today. I was actually sick Friday, but mm. feeling a little better, so. Okay. You so said you moved in with your girlfriend. That's what's up. My, my best friend. See, he's always got the Ed stuff. <laughs> best friend. <laughs> She's on lockdown. No shacking up. No shacking up. See, if you had went to church instead of bedside ministries, you might have gotten clarity and got that revelation. Uh uh-uh, uh, Lisa, don't 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 do that. Don't judge how Lord used me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, Nate. I had to. I had to. Oh, he's making my side hurt. Nate's so funny. Well, how was your weekend? Did you go to church? You know what? Well, I went to church twice. Oh, I went twice. You know what? This is what I meant to tell y'all today, too. Do y'all know that Alicia go to Beulah? Tabernacle. Don't, be, don't y'all be te- Don't you be joking, my church. Somebody, Grandma. Honey, Beulah has a spiritual reference. I'm going to need y'all to go read your go word. Beulah Baptist. Go- no, ain't no Baptist now. Let that hold on. It is a non-denominational church. Thank you very much. Nothing against the Baptist. I'm just saying. Nope, Baby it's not Beulah. Baptist. So get the name right. It's Beulah Tabernacle. I'm going to need you to go in your Bible and study the history of the significance of that name. Hallelujah. Won't forget. <laughs> but anywho, it's all right. May the Lord bless you real good. Um, Beulah. <laughs> see, I will get him. It has been a wonderful weekend. It has been a great week. Um, there's been some awesome celebrations. But I think... Um, 
the most wonderful part of this week, uh, yesterday I had an opportunity to teach a young author's workshop. Um, wonderful kids, great ideas. I love being able to share with them the different age groups, local authors as well as national authors that had created platforms, um, had wrote successful books, great topics that, you know, pertain to a lot of the ideas and things that they wanted to do. Um, but I think one of the main takeaways I had um, one of the little girls, she was nine years old, and she was like, you know, I remember last year when you came and they introduced you and you were talking about your first book. And she said, I remember you talking about child abuse, and I remember you talking about suicide. And we had a very interesting discussion. Again, children remember everything and have brilliant minds at different ages. But she's like, I just want to ask you how someone's life is ever so difficult that they want to kill themselves. And it just led into a beautiful discussion about hopelessness and how at their age, I didn't care what age they were, they should never give up on their dreams. They can have the things that they want out of life, don't accept no's, but you have to be willing to work hard and pursue those things that you're passionate about. So it just, you know, it just jolted me that this little girl from a year ago, and you're only nine years old, remembered that from an introduction and was curious about that. But other than that, we had a good four hours of fun, activities, and everybody wants to write at least two or three books this year. So my job is done. That's good. And they're from ages six to, like, 16. So I'm like, my job is done. My job is done. So you you taught them children to death for four hours. No, I did not. (laughs) Because one thing about me, anyone will attest who has ever been to a – workshop or anything I do, we do not do boring. That's the first rule. So I'm not I ain't say boring. I said did you talk them to death? Oh heck no. I don't talk anybody to death in my workshops and presentations. I don't like that because I don't like people to to talk me to death. Hallelujah. I'm coming to the next one. Oh 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 wait a minute. Mm. And I'll be a witness. I don't think honey, I don't think that you and I can be in the same workshop together. (laughs) (laughs) I think we both lose focus, so won't we do it? (laughs) But, Will, how was your weekend? Uh, I have not had a weekend. I had a oh, father. A, um, surgery on Thursday the 18th, and I'm still in pain and recovering. So it is just so by determination that, that I'm here tonight. And, does that mean huh? I come to your house and get some good drugs? I have, I, have a whole, I have a whole buffet of drugs, and none of them are working. Oh, I don't wow. understand. My mom's been bringing things over. I've had friends bring things over, and nothing is working. Oh, nothing. well, we just going to pray. We're going we gonna to have a prayer on the commercial break. Uh-huh, okay. But okay. the positive <laughs> thing is that you in the land of the living, so we are yeah. trusting and believing, speedy recovery, yeah. and that soon yeah. your pain will be ending. Okay. On this oh. side, yeah. That's true. But you're dedicated, <laughs> Will. You're still here tonight. You mm-hmm. showed up. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. But with some things going on in the in in the news, I have had a chance to listen to some things. Uh, I haven't really been able to move kind of stationary. Well, baby, count your blessings because some of the stuff that's going on this week, I'm so sorry you ain't had you no good drugs because you probably gonna need them after we finish talking about this. Okay. okay, I'm going to try to keep my opinion to myself, which is really hard for me to do. I'm just going to try to tell y'all just a you little update. But, okay, I'm gonna, I'll am I'll save it for the end. This whole okay. thing with Apple, you you heard about the whole Apple thing. I know you had to, Will, because it's been right. plastered everywhere. Right. But 
I haven't really gotten the whole gist of it, though. Tell me about it. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, the whole, as I understand it, the whole big shebang is that Apple wants to fight against the government. They do not want to unlock the San Bernardino's gunman's iPhone. You know, um, okay, let me not give my opinion. Let me just shut up and say the story. The FBI, they want Apple to help them unlock that phone for one of the two attackers uh, for that, you know, incident in December, but Apple is resisting. And, of course, you know, Apple is is trying to defend in in the court about, you know, you're bypassing our security functions and we give you access to do that. Yeah, you say you want it for this case, but then the government can get in and have all type of issues, blah, blah, blah. Now, the interesting thing, I didn't know Apple had that type of security on their phone because as an American, I just assume you're in the United States of America, so typical for the U.S., Big Brother's always watching. So I didn't know there was any technology where you had such exclusive security and access rights that the government did not have authority and didn't have the power to do it. That's team iPhone, right? Just want to remind people that that's iPhone. You know what? Go go take a pill. Go take a pill. Go take a pill. (laughs) Appreciate that. Go take a pill. Y'all find him something at work, please. Let him go to sleep. Um, (laughs) I don't like, well, maybe I should switch. No. Um, but Apple, if y'all want to send me a phone, I mean, I'm just saying, sponsor the show, send me a phone. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll I'll test the theory. But um, you know, I'm feeling some kind of way about that though. Um, the last the last thing I heard was that the court overruled them and saying they got to give it up, but they're probably going to you know fight against that still. But I don't know. I just feel like you don't have. I mean, we're talking about a, to me an issue of national. Security. Security. So I'm going to shut right. up. I'm going to put the question out there. Should Apple allow the government to have a device to unlock all of their devices, and how important is our safety or lack thereof? Hmm. So, okay, so when I was listening to it, I thought maybe, because I heard somebody say that they didn't create the device, I mean, the, the <laughs> device to be able to be gotten in or to be able to bypass the security or whatever. So I was under the impression that they 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 know how to do it themselves. So they know how to do it. They just won't do it, correct? Yeah, Apple knows how to do it. They're just not going to allow – they're fighting to not allow the government to have that access. Hmm. Yeah, I I, I think I'm with you. I think under certain situations, especially this one with a terrorist attack, that um, they should bypass and and help the government out. Um, I think it does need to be strict regulations. Uh Uh-oh. But Do I y'all this really? situation, what? The government on, can't man. get in this child phone. Y'all <laughs> sitting here really having this That's what I was saying. Ain't no way. Honey, they done got in this phone six times. They just waiting on Apple to tell them the truth. <laughs> <laughs> they wait. Who you think? You think they think Apple got, got something to do with it? No, they just waiting. They want permission. But they already saw six times what's in the child phone. Do <laughs> you really think they ain't got, they ain't, they ain't got in this child phone? We talking about the government. But why bring it out? Why why not just why make it an issue? So they want to they wanna make explain like they how, they, do it. how they got in the phone. Ex- exactly. Oh. Or so they want to act be, like they're getting permission. Or it may be a conspiracy theory where there's a deeper level of security they want that really has nothing to do with this case. And that's, that's true what too. I was thinking. That's true I feel as like well. They want, like Nate said, they want whatever top secret code Apple has. So if something were to happen, it's like, well, we already have it. I feel like they already got mm-hmm. their phone. Do you know how my brother, 
can hack into a phone, and he's not even a exactly. professional. So I'm sure they got some Just think how the people hack into the phones just to sell them. Yeah. You have to override phones in order to sell them so you can, what they call them, unbroken or something like that, where you Jailbroken, can use any service with something like that. Yeah. So you can uh, yeah, use any phones. service with them. Yeah. So people can hack into a phone, and trust me, they got enough people already in jail that can hack into a phone. So they don't need Apple's permission, but I do think it's a bigger picture that they want. It's a bigger security that they want. They want the the ability to say, John Smith did it. Let me go look at John Smith's phone right quick. Well, or, you know, I'm always a fan of divergent theory. There's another issue that you really don't want the American public to be mm-hmm. focused on. So let's talk mm-hmm. about this. Oh yeah. Y'all be talking about if Donald Trump get in the White House. Can we talk about that? Government, but um, whatever. I'm uh, be all right. I'm just trying to get my money up. So if he get elected, you get into the like I can go. Yeah, because I need to go out of the country before he ship us all back. Uh, we all uh, gonna won't. be on that slave boat. He go. Sh- and y'all gonna the White say y'all gonna be able to say y'all favorite term. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was Will he do it when the day Won't before Alicia is yep. in Jamaica? Okay. Be like, I'm to move my behind to Jamaica. Peace out, homies. Oh wow! Haven't come Peace up out. yet. But have y'all seen the commercial with with, with Hillary Clinton? Lord, at the Stella Awards. At the no, Stella Awards. What are you talking yeah. about? Wait, what? She was at the Stella Awards. She was at the Stella Awards, but she was like at a pre-event, and yeah. she said she opened up with this. This is the day that the Lord has made. No, she did Let not. us rejoice and sing and be glad. Jesus is the Lord. Okay. Hold the scripture wrong. You know they circulate it on social media. You have got to be lying. You have got to be lying, Nate. The 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 it reads something like when your publicists say you need more Christian followers. Oh, I can't. I don't understand how Donald Trump has evangelicals. I I don't. I don't get the making donations. Oh, okay, exactly well, thank you, thank you for clarity. Because I'm just like you can't even read the scripture right on television. You can't, you don't, you try, you have quoted the scripture because you didn't know how to finish the rest of it. You know you ain't picked up the Bible. But okay, mm-hmm. he, will. he just paid them off. Okay, yeah. Won't he do it? Private donation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's still mm-hmm. using his private funds, right, for his. Um, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, so he's making private donations. He tithing. And he's still getting a whole bunch of money in donations. And he ain't nobody. Need. Ain't nobody found bankruptcy like Donald Trump, so. What? Exactly. Hmm. That's exactly why he going through all this money. Well, <laughs> Nate, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. So oh I don't God, know if you guys. He he's not. He's not joking. It, it does say something about Hillary Clinton's surprise visit at the Stellar <laughs> Awards. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Surprise visit. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, what they clapped for? I thought she was joking. Mhm. It was classified. Even though she got it wrong. And it, you know that's not funny. They turned into her wrong. Lord, that would have been me up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. 
We'll give you, you no know prize first, twi- Leah. How okay. I can twist it. Well, you okay. know, if you sing it right, it'll just be like church. They won't notice the difference. Just air a few Exactly. Because half of them don't read the Bible anyway. Go ahead. Go ahead, Hillary. You are crazy. <laughs> Y'all not right. Just sing it like a hymn. They don't know the difference. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I'm not sure how many of you saw the new Vogue cover, but Adele, she's on the cover. She's this, this month's um, cover model. And she was being interviewed, and she said that basically her weight loss has really given her a lot of um, self-confidence. Um, she's a, For the first time ever, she's able to go into, you know, a regular department store, and she's able to buy off the rack. So what she's been doing is she says she's developed her, I guess, a not-so-healthy spending habit. Um, she's oh. been seen around just shopping, shopping. And I think they got her last week in Target. She was in Target shopping. So she says she's in, she's enjoying um, shopping off the rack. So I just want to ask you, you know, what are your secret indulgences for um, when you want to celebrate or treat yourself? What do you do? <laughs> Eat. <laughs> I'm laughing. You say you're you laughing. <laughs> That's what you do. I'm laughing because you know at this stage in my life with a lot of the stuff I have going on. This may sound kind of boring or, or like an old person. My secret mm-hmm. indulgence is can I just get some sleep? Or really? can I get okay. like three hours for everybody to leave me alone? No phones, no email. I don't have to reply back to anything. Just if I could just get, you know, a few hours just of quiet music, um, a cup of coffee. Can I have a bite to eat? Just nobody bother me with anything, just a quiet space. Um for instance, when we went away last weekend, um, mm-hmm. I didn't take my laptop, but my phone, what? you know, it was like, okay, I had to, I know. And then what, what was funny, you know, my roommate is sitting up here with her laptop and her iPad. I'm just going, if I'd known, I would have, okay, no. But it's like, no, I didn't need to because I would have been working the whole weekend and all the fun we had, I never would have had fun. So, yeah, but, it, you know, it was times where I looked down at the email. Okay, are you going to answer that? No. Well, maybe. Well, it, so your mind keeps going with different things that you're trying. You think you've planned everything so you can have that quiet time, but then mm-hmm. your mind comes up with something else. Or, oh, by the way, you need to sign this contract. Oh, by the way, when you get back, that you come do this, So it's like, uh, no, if I could just get three hours of complete peace and sleep and maybe a cup of coffee and maybe mm-hmm. a nice piece of chocolate or a bite to eat, that would be, for me, the best secret indulgence ever. The strip club. <laughs> awesome. Oh, so I go to the strip club. No, you don't. And are you working? Or are you are are you watching? Oh, oh, oh! I want to hear the answer to that. We we want to know. Well, you know I'm working because I'm passing out tracks. Because I <laughs> oh, okay. that this is the day that the Lord has made, and be glad and sing <laughs> in it. <laughs> so let me ask you this: Do they stick the track where you stick the dollars, or how does that work? It, it don't matter to me, Alicia. All, I, all my <laughs> okay. job is for you to get the track. <laughs> <laughs> Have you converted yeah. anybody yet? Honey, I done converted so many. For the Lord? I converted women. <laughs> you did what? Oh Lord okay. Jesus! Oh help us, Father. <laughs> Well, you know what, for mine, I have really been eating up some skinny dip. For some reason, I have been addicted to skinny dip lately. And I normally go what? there. Um, 
skinny dip, the, the yogurt, the frozen yogurt ice cream. I know who it is, but that's been your secret indulgence here lately? That's what I, yeah, it, it was shopping. Like, all this past couple of months it was shopping. I would, like, go, I would always bring a bag home. I would do something. But then I had some skinny dip, and I've just been eating skinny dip. It's crack. I haven't had it since my surgery. I haven't had it since Thursday. But hopefully, okay. you know, somebody special will bring it past. Okay, I know the phone was silent. That's it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, skinny dip, I, I still say they have crack in there. So that's why if you try it once, you have to keep going back. And I don't understand yeah. how I can get the smallest cup with, like, nothing on it, $6. I'm like, really? Yeah. It's nothing in yeah. my cup. It's really? Nothing. I just got two spoonfuls. How is that $6? <sighs> but what it's worth every bite. What about you, Liz? Frozen yogurt. It's frozen yogurt. It's frozen yogurt. yogurt. Oh, to me, frozen I don't. I, 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 it's just like ice cream to me. I don't. I don't get the yogurt. No, it's not. It yogurt. No, it does not taste it, like ice cream, honey. I'm sorry. To me, it just tastes like ice cream. <laughs> Do you I put, put cake a bunch on of stuff on? That's yes, why. I, when cake. I get the cup, I go put the cake on the bottom. Yeah. And I go get some strawberry ice cream. Then you I go put so some fine. of the Reese's. Then I put some of the vanilla no. ice cream mm-hmm. on it. And then I put some of the pecans. That's why yours tastes like ice cream, because you ain't eating skinny dip, you eat skinny crap. Uh, oh. You got to pick you a good flavor, okay? Maybe one or two, and if you want to have toppings, you can have one or two. You can't put all that junk in it, because now it's right. not yogurt, it's good. ice cream. That's probably why he had to have surgery. He got the bubble. Well, I don't think he has. I don't think he eat it to feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all make it feel like he. I don't think that's his purpose. He's not going to get a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Dave? I'm I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What about you, Liz? What's your overindulgence? Um. You know, I don't know. Like, I drink when, you know, I do good things, but I drink when you drink drink when you do bad. So, you know, I'm trying to think, what do I do when I'm happy? You know, I don't know. I would have to say I would go out for a drink. It's a different type of drink when you're celebrating and when you're depressed. So, you know, a nice cocktail. Okay. Okay. But, you know, I do want to tell y'all this. I know the Lord loved me. I know he loved me. Because I had a meeting a day, and I had, like, half an hour to burn. So, you mm-hmm. know, I just felt like some of the things going on here lately, I needed to restock, you know, on my wine. You know, I needed some Moscato and, you know, Riesling or something. So, anyway, mm-hmm. I went to um, the local store, and... They had the biggest bottle I've ever seen, which made sense because now I don't have to buy two of the small bottles. It was the last one, and it was on sale. And see, I knew God had it sitting right there waiting for me. So, yes, I, you know, you said something about drinking. Liz, I just, oh, that just touched my spirit. But I was good. I did not drink my glass of wine before this interview because, you know, if, if I was going to drink my wine right now, y'all would have me snoring on the phone. Yeah. Or, Yeah. Mm-mm. Why make you sleepy? Every alcohol uh, that's more than a sip or two makes me sleepy. Yes, I am. Two Sheesh, sips, I'm out. We can't never go drinking with you. Oh my <laughs> no, God. you can't. She you all can't. at the bar sleep. Girl, you <laughs> <make me laughs> <out. Hey. laughs> 
I just go to sleep. Well, Some people of, are like angry drunks. I just go to sleep. Two sips, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, speaking of turning water into wine, Natalie Cole's family is outraged over the Grammy snub. And they should You be. know, recently, Natalie Cole passed away, and her sons and her sisters say that the nine-time Grammy Award winner deserves a more substantial tribute at this year's ceremony than her brief hey. mention in a 90-second montage. Hmm. Now, do you think she should have received additional coverage? Now, we're talking about Natalie Cole. Do you think Hello? she should have received? Wait a minute. How he made that? I <laughs> say what I mean. She See, not I um, but you know what's I, so crazy, Will? Whitney didn't even get it. I was about well, to say, well, Whitney Houston put together a little presentation. How did they and Whitney kill her at the Grammy party? Remember, Whitney died at the Grammy. I mean, at the Grammy party. Oh, that's yeah, but they didn't do they didn't do a big thing for her. Yeah, they did a little uh, presentation on the board, and somebody sung a song, and then they went on to the next act. So I feel like yeah. no one really gets a big tribute anymore. I mean, I'm just thinking about Michael Jackson. The year after they did a nice tribute to him, but okay, yeah. You know, it's. Well, I see the I Michael Jackson is a little different. Anything. But yeah, I really don't. True. I didn't expect them to do. I, I didn't, didn't see the Grammys yet, but I didn't yeah. expect a big Natalie Cole send off. Neither. That's pretty much why I just don't watch award shows. Period. Um, because to me, you know, certain things that I think you should represent more, they don't, and things that you know, really, I, I'm just like, you gonna give that much time to that? They do. So I'm just like, just, just forget it. I do think she should have got more than just a mention, but then, you know, it depends on who the person is, how they feel you are as a celebrity, how hot they think you are, and then, you know, from there, that's who they want to spend extra time with or not. But we also talk about the Grammy. They're not going to do sure. much. Now, when you go to the BET Awards, they may mess her up once. <sighs> Natalie? Yeah, they may I do think the first thing you wanted to hear somebody sing. Something. Who? But well, who in the world wants to sing one of them boring songs? I just don't. <laughs> who wanted to hear somebody sing? You know what? <laughs> oh, man, you guys. Yeah. I mean, she did have some good songs. They weren't all Name boring. Yeah. Um, Pink Cadillac. <laughs> I like Pink Cadillac. <laughs> 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 I don't want to think I'm on the top of my head. Oh, Jesus. Because I can hear her voice right now. That was, that was Natalie Cole. She did a version of that. Check it. It was in the 80s. I'm trying to hold you. But unforgettable. I will. She, unforgettable no, daddy beautiful. Did that. Go ahead. But, but she oh, was, uh, it still was beautiful, I, the version she did. Thank you. We just said it had to be her original hit? song. Because oh, we well, if, if we're going to have to get somebody to sing, we got to find people to sing these hits. What, what What's a hit? Oh, well, see, now you're asking for a little bit too much. So exactly. I can help so 90 seconds was <laughs> well, good Well, <enough>. guys, 
we're going to go to commercial break, and we're going to try to find a hit. Um, but when we come back, we have a very special guest. <laughs> so you're listening to uh, Let's Talk Radio with Will Strayhorn, and we'll be right back. Columbine, Virginia Tech. Tucson. Aurora. Fort Hood. Oak Creek. Newtown. 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 How many more? How many more? How many more colleges? How many more classrooms? How many more movie theaters? How many more houses of faith? How many more shopping malls? How many more street corners? How many more? How many more? Enough. 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 Demand a plan. Right now, as a mom, as a dad, as a friend, as a husband, as a wife, as an American, as an American, as an American, as a human being, for the children of Sandy Hook, demand a plan. No more lists of names. It's not too soon. It's too late. Now is the time. Before we all know someone who loved someone on that list. No more lists. No more who they might have been. No more if we had just done something yesterday. It's time. We can do better than this. We can do better than this. It's time. It's time. It's time for our leaders to act. Demand a plan. Right now. Right now. You! Demand it! Enough. 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 Hi, this is Terry Crews. Actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. Touch DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Kaya weighed just one pound, one ounce at birth and endured a grueling 163 days in the hospital. Thanks to research funded by the March of Dimes, Kaya survived premature birth, the number one killer of babies in the United States. The birth of a child is supposed to be a joyful event, yet each year about 380,000 babies like Kaya are born too soon, and many have serious health problems that can last a lifetime. But you can change that. Join 3 million friends, families, and colleagues in more than 500 communities across the nation in March for Babies. The money we raise is so important in fighting premature birth and other life-threatening challenges that newborns face. We're supporting research and programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthier babies. Sign up, join a team, and start fundraising today at MarchForBabies.org. Together, we can fight premature birth and help more babies be born healthy.
Welcome back to Let's Face It Radio. Our next guest is a two-time best-selling author and has helped almost 150 authors get their books written and published, promoting and generating ten to fifty thousand a month for their businesses. She also is a single mom to an awesome ten-year-old, and they live in a castle where she runs all her client events and programs. She's found a cool balance between a multi-million dollar being a multi-million dollar entrepreneur and a mom who's actually around for her kids. But when she started her business, she was in the middle of a very messy divorce but learned to navigate through it and come out the other side with a seven-figure business. Please help me welcome to the show the author incubator, Dr. Angela E. Loria. How are you this evening? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And You're welcome. did we butcher that last name? No, <laughs> you said Gloria? it perfectly. Yay. Yep. <laughs> Rhyme to Gloria. All right. Well, you know, as an author myself, uh, and I, I love that. I love the process. I love the things that it has afforded me. But can you explain to our listening audience some of the advantages of having a book? Yeah, I mean, look, I think there are some hard and some soft advantages. So I think one mm-hmm. of the things that happens is you change. When you finish a project like writing a book, I think it's like when people do a marathon or, you know, if you hosted a fundraiser and raised a million dollars, like part of it is how you change and how you show up differently for friends and family and clients it really puts you in a leadership role, and I don't think that should be underestimated. Um, But here's the thing. Like, I don't think this is fair, (laughs) but I'm (laughs) happy to leverage it. When you have a book, you get calls back, you get invited to do media and PR, you Mm -hmm. get asked to speak three times more often than you do without, and our clients generate three to five times in revenue what they were making without a book. And really, that's not fair, right? Like, you're, you're just as smart before you write a book as after. You could help a client just as good. You could deliver just as good of a speech. But having a book is an unfair advantage for whatever yes. goal you want to accomplish. Absolutely. I think it's fair, though. <laughs> yeah, right. But maybe I'm that's like, because hey, I'm an author. know the rules of the game. Let's do it. Yeah. I think I'm a little biased, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Angela. How are you? Good. How are you doing, honey? I'm good. This is Nate. How are you? You guys were having a good old time. I was looking up uh, Natalie Cole songs. Yeah. She did sing Pink Cadillac, so I'm thinking about that. Uh 87. Saw that. Um, Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, the only one you but I'm with you guys. I don't think she needed that big tribute. I think that was pretty yeah. bad, and I don't think she was quite as famous as she might have thought she was. I'm sorry, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Angela, what is the best yeah. way you feel um, is to publish? Do you think traditional publish is the way to go nowadays? Well, I love this question because here's the thing. There are a lot of different ways to publish, and there's no right and wrong way. The thing Mm -hmm. that people mess up is they don't know what the right way is to publish for the outcome they want. So if you just want to say you wrote a book, if it's just like a a trophy or an accomplishment that you just want to be able to 
give to your kid and say you did it, then self-publishing is terrific. It's the cheapest way to go. Your book might not look as professional, but it's going to be something that you created and you'll be proud of. So I always equate that to, like, if I went to a pottery class and made some teacups, like, they'd probably be crappy teacups, but I would love to drink out of them. (laughs) And they'd make me smile every time. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm never going to make a whole lot of money as a potter, I can guarantee you. Like, but I could maybe make a teacup someday, and that would be cool. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the traditional publishing and my, I started my career in traditional publishing. Traditional publishing is fantastic, especially if you are interested in, um, having a TV show, doing national media, selling TV rights, but you need to have a way to fund this because normally with a traditional publishing deal, you're not really making any money for at least two or three years. And then you're Mm -hmm. not making real money for two or three years after that. And oh, wow. so, and then here's the other weird thing about traditional publishing. If you don't have a goal like having a TV show, for instance, or a nationally syndicated radio show, and you don't have a path to get there, you can't ever afford to advertise your book because mm-hmm. they, the publisher takes 90% of the revenue, which is fine if you're just doing it for exposure. But if you just think instead of making $10 on a book, you're going to make a dollar. And there's no book tour in the world that you could afford to do. There's no magazine ad you can buy. You can barely even buy a Facebook ad that would get somebody for a dollar to buy a book. And if they bought it for a dollar, you'd still just be breaking even. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there is no way. So you tie your hands when you do a traditional publishing deal from being able to promote your book or make money off it, which could be fine if you're auditioning to be like, I don't know, the next, um, you know, Ellen DeGeneres or something. It's a fantastic oh. part of a 10-year strategy that has a couple million dollar budget behind it. Mm-hmm. But what I recommend for people, for most people who aren't in the category of the I'm going to be the next Ellen or I'm trying to make some teacups is a hybrid publishing deal. And there's a lot of publishers out there um, that offer somewhere in between that will give you the look and feel of a traditionally published book but will give you the control and ownership of a self-published book. And that mm-hmm. usually means making an investment. Right. Mm. Hi, Hopefully Angela, a good investment me. where you make more money than you spend on it. That would be my goal. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, yes. that's just one way to think about it. Is it a costly You know, it depends on how you do it. But what I see out there is between five and $25,000. And here's the here's the irony on that is that also what I see in the reverse for first time authors um, to get an advance from a traditional publisher. Traditional publishers are paying between five and twenty five thousand dollars, but it's it's a little bit like blood money. So you could take that five thousand dollar advance and say, "This is awesome. I don't pay anything, and I'm going to get five grand, which feels nice." But then you have a book that you can't afford to market and where the publisher takes 90% of any dollar you make after that five grand, even including yeah. that five grand because it's just an advance. Yeah. So I would say if you believe in yourself, bet on yourself, spend the five to $25,000 out of your pocket, but then get 100% back and have a plan to make, you know, for, for my clients, what I recommend is a 10x return on investment. 
So if you invest mm. ten thousand, you should have a plan that you're pretty confident is going to get you to a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. But Angela, isn't it really hard to get into traditional publishing? It is. That's actually why those lower numbers and the amount of time I said. So um, to get a deal from a traditional publisher, what you think, what what most people think, is that it depends on the how good your idea is and how original mm-hmm. your idea is. That's exactly. like what a normal human would think. Actually, publishers don't really care about that. They have a bar. So your idea has to be good enough and original enough but really what they're looking at is how much return on investment are we going to make? How many book copies are we going to sell? Mm-hmm. So they're interested in your marketing experience. And exactly. so to get a publishing contract, you have to really demonstrate that you'd be able to sell twenty or 30,000 books, and you need to do that mm-hmm. by selling twenty or 30,000 of something else or building a substantial email list and following mm-hmm. and – Revenue, and so that can take a couple of years to do before um, before you will get that, that deal. So, how would one go about finding a publisher? But I know some some publishers, some publishing houses won't even accept manuscripts unless it's through an agent. So, how would you go about finding an agent or a publisher? Yeah, I have a little hack here that I recommend to my clients which is in every book there is an acknowledgement section. Mm-hmm. And so there are definitely websites out there that will list agents and publishers. And most publishers, like you say, if you send them a manuscript directly, they'll just go on the slush pile and they'll have interns read maybe 5 or 10% of what's on the slush pile just when they have nothing to give them for work. Um, mm-hmm. So not – not a good chance of getting through going directly to the publisher. You want to find an agent. So what you do is you find a book that's similar to yours and you go to the acknowledgement section and look at who that author thanked as their agent. Exactly. And that's how you want to find your agent. You could go through and send 100 query letters to agents that you find in Writer's Digest, but I Mm -hmm. find if you go in (laughs) – um, through the book and tell them what book you liked, why you liked it, and why you think your book will sell as well as that one, that's where I've found the best response. And hit them up in social media as well. And if they uh-huh. have a radio show like this one, go review their radio show, give them comments, come to the show, call in, listen, develop a relationship with them. I have a little hack that I teach people, which is pretend this person was your best friend. Like, you'd, you'd know your best friend's birthday. You'd know your best friend's friends. You'd know where they were mm-hmm. on vacation. And yeah. just plan on spending 18 months to two years courting them and mm-hmm. giving them really good reasons why, without being psycho. Exactly. But give them re- like, you wouldn't call your best friend five times in a row if she didn't call you back. Like, treat right. the person like you would if you were actually friends. And eventually you will become friends. Good advice. So I have a question then. So you said basically they're when when they're I guess trying to scout who they're going to assist in their publishing, do they take into consideration your following, like your social media following when they're trying to figure yeah, out how totally. they can they do? If you're reaching okay. out to an agent, if you want to get picked up faster, instead of leading with a description about your book, mm-hmm. lead with a description about your tribe. 
They want to know that you have at least 20,000 people on your email list or 20,000 Twitter followers or Instagram followers or Facebook followers. That's kind of a key number, 20 to 30,000. And if you've sold something else, if you've raised a bunch of money, if you've sold a bunch of books, and by the way, if you released a book, like you self-published a book or you released a book with another publisher and you Mm. sold fewer than 5,000 copies, do not mention it. Hope they don't exactly. find it and don't mm-hmm. lead with that. <laughs> but if you sold more than 5,000 copies, I would start with that. Because that makes it even harder to even get into the traditional company, to traditional yeah, you just told them. you just told them I'm a terrible bet. See, publishers <laughs> exactly. just work at a casino, and mm-hmm. you basically just said the odds on this table are 200 to 1. And they're like, yeah, I think mm. I'm going to play a different – I'm going to play at a different table. Yeah. So, Angela, I have one final question for you. Um, well, before my next question, but <laughs> so do <laughs> you personally read um, query letters to say if they're good or bad? Yeah, so we do. I have an acquisitions team, so I have two acquisitions <laughs> editors, and the query letters come to them. But I'm also okay. super nosy. Um, and so if you guys want to see our query submission form, theauthorincubator.com slash apply, you can okay. see the questions we're asking. And you can sort of tell we don't have people send a full, um, a full proposal until after mm-hmm. we talk to them. But even if okay. you look at the questions, we're looking for the same things every other publisher is, which is are we going to be able to sell this book? Exactly. And so – my acquisitions editors, that's their job, but I'm super nosy, and I read most of our <laughs> applications because I can't help myself. But I try not to respond. But every once in a while, last week there was one that was so good, and he quoted my favorite author, and he didn't know he did it, and I just I had to reply, oh, and then I apologized <laughs> to my editors. I'm like, I know I'm not supposed to reply, but I really like that guy. <laughs> Let's interview him. So, yeah. Hi, Angela. This is Liz. Hey, Liz. Hey. So is there a wrong reason to write a book? So I think the wrong reason is when you don't know your reason. So the thing I hear people say all the time is that they want everything from their book. So they're like, I want to be on a big stage, and I want to speak in front of an audience, and I want to build a business, and I want to be on Oprah. And, like, they have this big, long list of things. Okay. And a book is pretty <laughs> magical, but it can't do everything, and right. it doesn't do everything magically. It's much easier to get a book to do what you want if you have one thing you want, and then mm-hmm. you write a book to accomplish that. So let's say you wanted um, your first paid speaking gig. Then we would write a very different book if you wanted to become, let's say, a paid motivational speaker. It's a totally different book than, let's say, you wanted people to buy your T-shirt or mm-hmm. if you wanted to be a coach. Mm-hmm. And so what yeah. I hear is people want to do all of it. They're like, I have these cool T-shirts and I want to speak and then I want to run workshops and then I want people wow. to hire me as a consultant. <laughs> and those are all different books. Mm-hmm. I get that. Okay, so Angela, this is Will. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Um, so, a lot of good information so far. Look, if 
Because I have a publicist. She always tells me I need to write a book for more clients. But how can you use a book to get more clients? Well, here's the thing. This is the great news. A book, no matter what you do, if you have a related product, it's it could even be the worst book in the world. It's mm-hmm. going to get you clients. Mm-hmm. It might not get you a lot of clients, but the cool thing is that just having the credibility of a book, even a terrible book, only 27% of books that are sold are read. So they'll oh. see you have a book, and that's going to increase your conversion ratio. So that's nice news right there. But here's a tip. There is a way to write a book that will actually get you more clients in a more strategic way. So are you, are you still doing, like, do you look for clients as a makeup artist? Yes. Okay. So if you wanted to get clients as a makeup artist, what you would do is you would come up with a system or a formula, which, by the way, you probably have. So there's right. something you do when somebody sits in your chair. You evaluate their skin tone. You look at their dress. You, you have some system, and it's like right. a Will Strayhorn system. And right. so if you can invent that framework, which you may have already done, and write a book describing that framework, what happens is no one else can do it. They can't go to anyone. Even though, like, every makeup artist is going to match skin tone or every makeup artist is going to, I don't know, buy good brushes. But the entire system in that order, you can own that system so that they can't go to anyone but you to get that result. So at the end of the book, what you want your reader thinking is, that's the perfect way to do my makeup. I can probably learn how to do this myself, or I can just hire this guy for my next book launch or whatever they might want makeup for. Gotcha. Oh, okay. And the other thing, too, is selling in a book is really, like, douchey. Like Like, it's just really gross to be like, buy my services, and you'll see, like, no, nobody wants to read that. (laughs) But I'm going to go back to our girl Natalie Cole. Like, let's say Natalie Cole was your client once. I would tell a story about that. So I'd be like, when Natalie Cole was in my chair, the first thing she said was that I had soft hands, right? And so if you can drop in there, like, hey, I work with celebrities without saying, by the way, if you're a celebrity, call me at 500, you know, like whatever. Um, So, yeah, so telling those client stories in a way that's really natural to make people say, like, hey, I bet I could hire this guy too. Okay. And by the way, like, if you hated weddings, don't Uh tell a wedding story in your book. Like, we're going to tell Grammy night story if we want to do celebrities. We're gonna, even if you have uh, great wedding stories, we're going to flip true. the script on that because otherwise we're going to get wedding clients, and you know those people exactly. are crazy. Uh-huh. Oh, they that. are. <laughs> that, made, that, was, that made perfect sense. That was okay. good advice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love it. Anything to make Will Strayhorn write a book, I'm good. <laughs> there we go. Is are you the no, no, no. But he's long overdue. I've heard about this blessed book. He's got several books he has started on. He has yeah. never finished a I book. I haven't finished it. I haven't finished it. No. Rather one. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know why so that I'm happens? Like, it's actually good news. Uh-oh. Why? <laughs> 
Don't encourage Okay, so them. here's the deal. Um, so a lot of people ask me about writer's block and how to deal with writer's mm-hmm. block. And I tell them, and what you have is a version of writer's block. So procrastination, writer's block. The book is supposed to be done and it's not getting done. Mm-hmm. And most people think this is terrible. So they feel like crap. They've, like, promised people. People are harassing them, like, you mm. know, your good friend here. And they feel really awful about it. But here's the thing, and this is the cure, and this is why your book isn't done. Okay. Part of you, and I call that part of you your inner author. So inside of you, your there is a part of you that already wrote this book. Yes. So we know from quantum physics the time-space continuum is sort of made up. And so there's a world where your book is already done. Mm-hmm. And the part of you that wrote your book is called your inner author. So your inner author knows there's something about the way you have it structured now. There's something about the partners you're working with. There's something about this book that your inner author is just, like, not getting. And so you're out of alignment. In some way, you're out of alignment. And the way that shows up for people is either procrastination or writer's block. And there's a super easy way to get out of it, which is get curious about why you're not writing. So instead of talking to yourself and being like, oh, I really have to put time on the schedule to write, or I'm such a loser, I should have written this already, all that negative talk, that just keeps your book further away from you. But if you can lean in and be like, hey, this is curious. Like, I wanted to do this, and I haven't done it. I wonder why. If you can get curious about that, especially if you have a good friend or a coach, you'll find out you're writing the wrong book. We even have an exercise called the Creativity Temple where I take people um, into that place in the time-space continuum where your book is done, and you get to hold it in your hands, and your book will tell you exactly what it is. So I'll tell you what, Will, if you want to do the Creativity Temple exercise with me, you just email me at Angela at the Author Incubator, and we will have a little private session. It takes about 30 minutes, and I will give you a link on my calendar, and we'll figure out what's going on with you and your book. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Miracles on the Sunday. Angela, I have a question now, because all this talk about book just summons something up in me, okay? Mm. So I, I love it. manuscript that I have I have had edited and edited and re-edited and edited <laughs> and re-edited and edited. Mm. But for some reason, I still won't submit it to nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to know why? Why is that? Okay, so my very first job, I was 20 years old. And I worked for a New York Times best-selling author. His name was David Wise. And my first mm-hmm. day on the job, I picked up the phone, and his editor was calling from New York. And so I picked up the phone, and I said, David Wise's office. And the woman on the other line said, yes, I have Jackie Kennedy Onassis on the line for David Wise. So his editor was Jackie Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Possibly the best editor in, like, the history of humankind. And exactly. if I took that manuscript right now and gave it to any editor on my staff or really any editor on the planet, do you know what they would do with his manuscript? What? They would edit it. Mm-hmm. Editors edit. <laughs> exactly. That's they don't care who, do. who it was. No. Nope. Right. 
And so this doesn't have anything to do with your editors. This is you. You keep putting it in the hands of friends, professional editors. Nobody is going to look at your manuscript and say, this is perfect, you're done. Mm-hmm. That comes from you. That comes from you. That yeah. comes from you and God. And mm. so your book is done when you say it's done. And mm-hmm. so if, if you are ready to let that go, you just send that as a prayer and then you make a decision that you're not going to ask another editor to edit because they will edit. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All they know how to exactly. do. They're not like, oh, who was the last editor? Jenny, Jackie Kennedy? This is perfect then. No. They're like, this is a mess. We have to start over. Exactly. You going to finally say it off, Nate? I'm going to pray about it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I – no, seriously, I totally recommend that because here's the thing. When you have a true servant's heart, and if you even think of, you know, uh, of uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the, the, when we hear Jesus speak his gospel of um, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a true servant's heart, you are going to put out some messed up work like, mm-hmm. that love your neighbor speech, as perfect as it was, Jesus was not happy with it. I can tell you. I work with editor, writers all the time. Like, he's like, <laughs> it was good, but I don't think I really made the point the way I wanted to. Right. I think I could have rewritten it. But the thing right. is, it wouldn't have helped anyone if he kept rewriting it, right? Exactly. And so to have a true servant's heart, like the true sacrifice as a writer is being willing to get it wrong. That's mm-hmm. the sacrifice. Being willing to put it out good enough, kind of, but it kind of makes me want to throw up in my mouth. That's <laughs> wow. When you know it's more important to help someone than to get it right for yourself, that's your ego. Yes. So when I say to you, you pray, you pray to God, you pray to Jesus, whatever you believe in, you take that manuscript and say, would this help one person? Because if it okay, is, yeah. I will be uncomfortable. Yeah, And I will put myself out there, and people are going to give me a one-star review on Amazon. But I will do that to serve. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So one of my other things that I, I do is, I even I even mentioned this to Will when um, he even considered writing a book. And I told him that sometimes when you write a book, you just have to start writing. Because if not, mm-hmm. you'll always say, I want to write a book. So I'm in the process of a second book. But I think now I'm using the same issues as far as for my query letter. Um, I keep writing query letters and editing, having them edited. And it's like my voice is being lost in my query letter. Mm, exactly what happens. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to. That's why I was asking, do your company have, you know, do y'all are you, read query Are letters? you writing fiction? Yes. You are. Yeah, we do strictly non we do strictly nonfiction. Oh, but okay. I can tell you for sure your the most important thing you can do in your query letter is be you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like your personality and your authentic thing has to come through. Um your your vibe and so yeah over editing those the perfect query letter for someone else or in a okay. template or whatever is definitely not the perfect query letter for you. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. For sure. And here's the other thing, too, I want to say about query letters in general, but just 
Um, there's a really bad piece of advice out there, which is if you want to write a book, just start writing. Like the thing you're doing wrong is that you're not writing. Um, people who start by writing their book are significantly less likely to finish than if you start by a few things. So I actually have six steps that I recommend, but I'm going to walk you through a couple of them. The most important thing you can start with is one ideal reader. So not a target market, so not women 35 okay. to 45, but one ideal reader. So an ideal reader has a name. They live in a town. They have two kids or three kids, but they don't have two or three kids because a person doesn't have two or three. They have <laughs> two or three. And you need to know every single thing about this ideal reader. So I have my clients do a vision board. I have them do a playlist. I have them set up a, a Kindle list so they know exactly what their ideal reader is reading, what they're listening to, what they're buying. Sometimes I have them go shopping for their ideal reader on Amazon. So if you want to finish your book, you have to know your ideal reader as well as you know yourself. What I say is if there was a biopic, um, the casting agent should at least want to consider you if they were making a movie of your ideal reader's life. Mm. So that's one thing. And then what, what I have found, I, I've done, oh, God, over 500 books at this point in my career, and not one of the books that I've worked on has been finished without an outline. We create something we call an inline, which is a version of an outline that ties together your ideal reader with the mm -hmm. outcomes that you want for your book. So let's say you want to have a book series and you want to have a traditional publisher and you want to make $200,000 from your book, then we need an inline that's going to get you that. And that's a totally different inline than, let's say, a book to give your friends at Christmas. Okay. Mm-hmm. So start with your ideal reader, your outcomes, and then create an inline that's going to get you those things. And the place to invest is not at all with an editor who's just going to fuck your shit up because editors are just trying to get you an A in English class. This is what editors do. And I was an editor for 15 years, but we're just going for an A from your, like, 12th grade English teacher. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know if any of you have been tortured by reading, like, Fifty Shades of Grey, but it's possibly hey, one hey, of the worst hey, written. It's hey. terribly written. <laughs> just from English class, like, not about the content, but just from English class. Like, there are words okay, wrong. Okay. There are verb tenses yeah. wrong. Like, it's horribly written. And that doesn't matter. Millions of people were glued to every single page. That, that author, E.L. James, made millions of dollars from selling film rights. Like, it changed many people's lives, many people's lives for the better. Like, many people's marriages were saved. Like, that book, not because it got an A in English class, because believe me, that's a failing paper <laughs> from a grammar and typos perspective. Yes. But that's not actually what matters, as crazy as that sounds. And so editors are always commercial. looking to get you an A. It was mm -hmm. more commercial, and that's basically exactly. what I'm saying, is if we start with the ideal reader and we start with your outcomes, and then instead of investing in an editor, if you're investing in a person who's gotten those outcomes for other people, and instead of spending $500 or $1,000 on an editor, 
spend $500 mm-hmm. or $1,000 on a VIP day or a one-hour session with somebody who has gotten someone else the results you want. Wow. Absolutely. Can I just blow your mind a little? We just had a little Yes, thought. because I have spent a lot of money on having my book edited. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I you're going to get an A in English class. <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wrong question. This is the thing. Tony Robbins says this, right? He's like, the problem isn't that we don't have good answers. The problem is we have terrible questions. And right. so most writers are asking questions like, how can I find a good editor? It's a really bad question that mm-hmm. kills a lot of books. And we want to ask you something else, uh, Angela. Got to ask you this because you talked about it a little bit, and it's another question that people really misunderstand when it comes to writing a book, the whole bestseller issue. You Mm -hmm. have the Amazon bestseller issue, and then you just have the bestseller issue status, period. Um, A lot of people Mm -hmm. have confusion about that. Um, They have confusion about what it takes to be a bestseller, things of that nature. Um, So, one of the general questions that we get a lot of time is what does that mean and, and how many books will it take them to be a bestseller? Okay, so good news and bad news here. For a New York Times bestseller, you're looking at somewhere between 35,000 and 55,000 books sold, mm-hmm. um, and it depends on how busy the season is, right? So September it would be more like 55,000. July it might be more like 35,000, depends mm-hmm. on the genre, whatever. But here's the bad news. Most of the slots in the New York Times bestseller list are paid. Um, Mm -hmm. On average, authors invest between a quarter of a million and a half million dollars to get on that slot. And you can either pay for this yourself as an author or your publishing company can pay for it. But Mm -hmm. one way or another, those slots are pretty much paid for. Um, and it's not like anyone can do it. So it's not like they'll just take you know, $250,000 from anyone who has it. There's a right. lot of work and there's other expense involved, but you can buy your way onto the list. So that, and most people do. That is kind of how business is done these days. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? So there's that. Um, yeah, and here's the thing. This is why it's a good investment because I, I do sometimes recommend this to clients is that if you make that quarter of a million dollar investment and you get on the list, and I'll just give you a really quick way it's done. You basically buy all your books and mm-hmm. then you pay people to go buy your books. Right. So you pay for 50,000 copies of your book and then you pay fifty thousand people to go out and buy your book and then they buy your book and it goes to a warehouse and so if you ever see those um, book deals where it'll say like get this book free you just pay for shipping Mm -hmm. it's because that book has already been bought so the author bought the book they had somebody buy the book they paid that person to buy the book the person (laughs) bought the book and then they sent it to a fulfillment center and now you can buy a book that was actually already bought in exchange for paying for the shipping from that fulfillment center to you. So it's kind of crazy how it works. But here's why it's worth it. Um, You make a $250,000 investment. Your name goes on the New York Times bestseller list. 
you're going to sell a lot more than 50,000 books. Mm-hmm. So you make that quarter of a million dollar investment up front, but you can may end up making four or five times that on the back. So hopefully if you do the campaign right, you will make money. But it's, um, you know, it's high flyers and big budgets, and not all of us right. are quite ready for that sort of investment. Right. Um, I know I'm not. So, um, so the Amazon bestseller list is kind of this alternative strategy that people do. And mm-hmm. you can, with less of an investment, sometimes no investment, get yourself ranked as a bestseller on Amazon. And it's a nice credential, but here, and, and it's one I think we even used for me on this show, um, I have two books that are bestsellers on Amazon. But here's actually why I care about this and why I think this is what you should do if you're thinking about writing a book, is that when you get on the bestseller list on Amazon, Amazon has a list of other people who bought books that are similar to yours. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. Amazon would like to make money. And since they take about 30% of any book that's sold on their site, they will email people. And it's a list you can't get a copy of. You can't mm-hmm. call Amazon and say, hey, can I have a list of people who have bought similar books to mine? Like, I'll pay you for it. Like, they don't sell that. But they mm-hmm. will send out an email. They will send out many, many emails to people who have bought books similar to yours if you get that bestseller credential or the hot new release credential. So Mm -hmm. I think it's worth making an investment to get that credential because I want Amazon to pay for my advertising. And by the way, I'm happy to pay them 30% of my book sales in exchange for them doing the advertising to their list, which is slightly better than mine. (laughs) Makes sense. Awesome. So, Angela, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make with their books? Starting by writing is hands down the biggest mistake that I see. Uh, Trying to get a book to do everything instead of having a targeted plan. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, really the leading, not on purpose, this is going to sound harsher than I mean it, but I see most people leading with ego instead of service. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where all the perfectionism comes in. That's where all the procrastination comes in. That's really all about you and your ego. And when you right, can exactly. truly turn yourself over to be an instrument of the universe um, mm-hmm. and to really be a steward for the wisdom of the universe and, and the knowledge, that's mm-hmm. where I see people, first of all, writing better books, which is kind of cool, um, but then seeing those books make a bigger difference. Right. You know, and I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, going back to my manuscript, I know for me um, one of the reasons why, because I think it would be a really harsh book for real, for people to read mm-hmm. um, because it, even though it's fiction, it's still, it's still kind of taboo a lot of the scenarios and relationships that are in the book. So I, I sometimes I personally have struggles with it. I even mm-hmm. have, I used to have struggles with even having people edited it. It's like I used yeah. to write this long goal, give them a long goal letter first. Now this oh, chapter deals with. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Right. Well, here's he the, the thing. That's exactly 
Right. And this is the, you don't need to work on the book at all. You need to work on that. So I have people who write memoirs and their memoirs about sensitive stuff, sexual abuse or, you know, just really hard personal stuff. And they will do a beautiful job in the writing process. And then two weeks before publication, there'll be some major disaster. And, I mean, I had somebody had a, an infestation of squirrels in her house. What? I had somebody fall down a flight of stairs. I had somebody have to do a major home renovation. Um, like, all of these calamities happen right before we publish. And they will mm. always try and talk me out of publishing. But they'll say it's for this, you know, reason. Oh, my, my grandson got arrested. And so the book can't come out. Like, let me tell you, and it all happens. Like, they're not lying. But it's that some part of you doesn't want this to be released. And so you'll throw up all these obstacles thinking they're real. Like, they'll be legit. Um, Except they're not. It's always that you're, you know, self-sabotaging or whatever because you haven't done the hard work of processing what you do and don't want to share. And for some of mm-hmm. my authors at this point, we'll take out some stories. You don't exactly. have to share everything. Um, so one of the things I say is each chapter, before you write the chapter, you have to answer this question if you're working with us. The question is, how do you want the reader to be different at the end of the chapter? And I make mm. them say it. So they have to write it down, and I have people put it right in the header of the document. So on every page you see the sentence, at the end of the chapter, I want the reader to whatever you're Oh, reading. wow. But then that also helped with content flow as well. It helps with everything because here's the thing. Let's say there's a super sensitive story that you're not comfortable with sharing. Mm-hmm. Once you put it through the filter of how do I want my reader to be different, sometimes mm-hmm. the answer is we have to tell the story. So mm-hmm. I, had a, I, had a, I had a client once, her name is Nicole Scuba. And she did a book called Another Kind of Free, and it was about suicide. And she has a very successful marketing business, and the story was really about her attempted suicide. And so when we talked about what do you want the reader to know, the whole point of the book was that we have to talk about suicide openly. Suicide can't be a secret anymore. And Mm -hmm. so when we got to some of the personal stuff about her life and we asked the question, does this story need to be in there? The answer was like, yes, absolutely, because the whole point of the book is that we can't be ashamed and everyone has to come out. And if everyone came out, we wouldn't have the problem we have today. It was the whole point Mm -hmm. of her book. So she couldn't Mm -hmm. make up another person. She couldn't put another twist on the story because the book didn't work without it. But there are other people who tell a story, let's say, of their own child sexual abuse, where when we look at what do you want the reader to know, and their statement is, I want the reader to know that they are not responsible for abuse they face, well, we can get there if we switch that and say that was a a case study. That was a, I had a client who had this experience. So we don't have to say it was them. We can still make that point. Mm -hmm. So you can write the stuff however you want to write it, but then if you look at that, how do I want the reader to be different at the end of this chapter, then you'll know exactly how you can and can't edit it. And that's when you're being of service because with Nicole, she had to say, like, all right, I'm going to have to share this, and it was of service. But with somebody else, 
God, I have a lot of writers who have to tell them to stop sharing about themselves because it's totally mm-hmm. not in service. They just want to hear themselves talk. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, make this about someone else. I can't keep hearing about you. <laughs> yes. So, Angela, I have a question. This is Will again. My question to you yeah. is ebook, yes or no? I'm all in on ebook. I like print books too. So I okay. like to do both. Um, okay. for sure. But um but here's the thing, we have a lot of clients who just do their ebooks with us and they will still three or four X their speaking engagements and sales. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Okay. Okay. So just an ebook can get your results. Here's the way you make that decision. First of all, if you want to do any PR or any speaking, you need the print book. Definitely okay. do the ebook, but you need the print book. So any speaking, any PR, you need the print book. And then if you're not doing speaking or PR, then the next question is where is your audience? Right. So if your audience is online, then by all means you can just do the ebook. But like I had somebody who wrote a book for um, home health care, like people responsible for taking care of their elderly parents. Right. And most of these people were in their 60s, but more importantly, they were at the homes of their 80- or 90-year-old parents. So okay. they were spending most of the day at their 80- or 90-year-old mom's house or elder care facility, often without Wi-Fi. And so even though she didn't need the books for speaking or PR, she needed the books because her audience was not going to buy e-books because they spent most of their day somewhere without Wi-Fi. Right. Okay. So, but I have other clients who 100% of their clients are online all day, like stay-at-home moms. They have every sort of mobile device in the world. They're on their computer, like they're busy, but they're always connected. So if I had a book targeting stay-at-home moms, just the e-book would probably be enough. Okay. Gotcha. And, Angela, another question that comes up often, um, people want to know how how can they pick a good topic for their book? So here's the thing about your topic is, if, and I'm going to talk for about nonfiction first, and then I'm going to talk about fiction. If you're looking mm-hmm. for a nonfiction book, here's what you want to do. You want your book, no matter what's on the inside, you want your book to solve a problem that people are mm-hmm. looking for the solution to. So most people call me and they get really excited because they'll be like, I have an idea that nobody else has. So I instantly know we're not going to take that book and it's not going to sell. Yep. Because if nobody, there's 350,000 books published a month, if right. nobody's written this book, it means nobody wants it. And I'm super yes. sorry. Um, so you have, now inside you can say anything. So like, let's say that you really wanted to tell every woman in the world she was beautiful. Like, that's awesome. I agree. I'm all in. I just can't sell that book. That right. book's going to sell zero copies. So we have to find somebody who doesn't feel like she's beautiful that we can find, like a target market, and let's mm-hmm. say it's new mom, and then we have to solve a problem for new mom. So let's say it's a quick beauty regime. 
You used to have an hour to get ready. Now you have three minutes. And so the book is called Get Ready in Three Minutes for New Moms. Now that book I could sell the hell out of, and 90% of the inside of the book could say you're beautiful just the way you are, don't do anything, wear a hat. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> that can be the whole book. It can be all about how they're beautiful. But the book's going to need to solve a problem for uh, an audience that we can reach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So everyone's beautiful, nothing. Three-minute beauty solution for new moms, everything. <laughs> and Got everything it. in the book can be exactly the same in both books. Like that's the mm-hmm. big news flash. Now for fiction, it's different, but it's sort of similar. And I'm not a fiction expert, but you have to start with your market. So if you have this really new genre or nobody's done this before, it's the same thing. We don't know how that's going to sell. So you really want to find this is like Harry Potter for women in their 40s. You really want to find something your book is like that we can Mm -hmm. hang it on, and it has to be like something that's sold really well. So a lot of times people tell me, oh, my book is like this, and it's something I haven't heard of. It really Mm -hmm. needs to be like The Hunger Games or like Fifty Shades of Grey or something that I've actually heard of. Um, that is that is really when you pick a topic, you have to think of how would you sell it. And what I make my clients do is I make them write all of the marketing copy, and we design the cover even before they write the book, and then we start selling it. And if you can't sell it before you write it, you won't be able mm-hmm. to sell it after you write it. So true. So nobody's, nobody's read the book before they buy it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Angela. So you can write, you can do the cover before you send it off to a publisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even saying send it to a publisher, but if you want a book contract, here's a way to get one. Go hire a shit hot designer, get a gorgeous book cover, go hire a copywriter, write amazing marketing copy, set up a pre-sale page where people have to give you their email address. And you can even tell them they could buy the book for a dollar. Um, they could buy the book for a penny if you want. Set up a pre-sale page. Buy the book now for a dollar in advance. And go sell 5,000 of them. And I guarantee you, you could make one phone call to one agent. And if you said the words, I've already sold 5,000 copies of this book, <laughs> you would have a traditional publisher pick you up in a hot minute. Now, you'd have to email all those people who sent you a dollar and say, hey, it's going to be a while. In the meantime, here's another book, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. You'd have to find a way to keep them happy. Um, But that's why crowdfunding campaigns work so well for traditional publishers because if you can sell 20,000 copies of your book, you can find a publisher. It's a done deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense, then. So, I know you've shared so much information with us already, but how can our listeners follow you? And I'm going to contact you because I do want to have that one-on-one call. But how can our listeners contact you? Yes. Yeah, so you guys can email me at Angela at theauthorincubator.com. I've got a couple books out there, but I have a book called The Difference, which walks through my 10 steps for writing a book that matters. And if you want a free copy of that book, all you have to do is mention this, um, mention this show, 
mention Will and Alicia in your email and give me your mailing address or your email address, and I'll either send you a print copy or an emailed copy of my book. And, um, and then you can also go to the authorincubator.com to learn more or go to Facebook and just search for The Author Incubator, and you can follow all of what we're up to. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Do you have any final words you want to say before we let you go? I just had so much fun with you guys tonight. Thanks for having me <laughs> Likewise. Yes, 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 yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to get back and play me some Natalie Cole tonight. It's going to be an all <laughs> Natalie night, people. <laughs> Cadillacs, yeah. as we Tribute. know that it is the actual song she sung. I told y'all. Oh, Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not going to get the end of that. first up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, have a, have a good guys. evening, and thank you so much for, for calling in. Yes. You too. Awesome. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good information. So, Nick, you're going to finally go ahead and get something done with that manuscript. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to go ahead and Well, okay, let me ask this. Well, no, let me demand this. Um, while you praying, I just need you to send me what you have because now you got me nosy and, and curious, and I want to know what the heck you got going on. I want to read it. Well, it's bless really the good. Lord. It's really good. I so, wouldn't know because I ain't read it. <laughs> so, Nate, do you think it is because you, you have to mm-hmm. deal with it? You're just not and ready I for that believe, to be out there? And you know you know how I am. And I, I do believe, I really believe. Let me tell you something. I've been so afraid of, of this book that I even was going to do it under an alias name. Oh, my. Well, I mean, people have done that before, so hey. But you know what I like that she said? Your book should have a purpose. I like that she was saying, mm-hmm. which with the same thing, you know, when I think about, you know, all books, even with Will, the books that he had um, in his heart to write, um, I believe that, you know, having that statement above each chapter, what you want your your person to walk away, your reader to walk away with. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is so vital. And then when I go back mm-hmm. to my own book, you know, I, I think about that in my whole entire, the entirety of the book, exactly mm-hmm. what I would like for my readers. Because, of course, it's funny. Of a, I mean, you have sad moments, but you have some serious life lesson moments in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I And a lot of things that I did that were really, taboo that I struggled with, even though I know there are other fiction books out there that maybe touch on this subject, um, Mm -hmm. but I do believe that it's me to the most part that I have to be more confident with it. The book book is about, the title of the book... Just release yourself. What is the book about? The book that that is finished is, is entitled Master Can You Use Me? And it's about okay. a young gay man who who was born in church, who knew that homosexuality was a sin, and he ended up falling in love and a relationship with the pastor. Oh, oh yeah, I need to read that. So I'm, I'm on the advanced copy, because um, <laughs> I want to see can he use you? <laughs> but you know, <laughs> so uh, uh, I just need to read it. You know, I yeah. unedited. Reading, I'll just read for pleasure. But yeah, I, 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 I yeah. See, you got me stuck around. I can't even finish the words. I need to see that. I need to see it. Jesus. 
Yeah. And what was your well, second so one about? I was I was really glad to know that about the the jacket being able to do your title, your cover of your book because I always I was always told that most times when you send stuff to publishing companies, they mm-hmm. would change your title. Not necessarily. Or they would or they would change the look of what they want the look cuz it's all about commercial. You know, they yeah. want to make sure it's it's marketable. So I, I was really happy to hear that that was that was really good. Yeah, the smart people actually make money doing that before they sell the book. Yes. And I was I had mentioned this to Will, the late Elon Harris. Um, his first book, you know, just as she was stating how she, you, if you sell so many books, you can go to a publishing company and mm-hmm. say, well, that's what happened to him. He used to go and sell his book out of his car. Mm-hmm. And he would go different places to purchase, but this was before ebooks came out. Um, so he went and he sold the books, and then once he went to the publishing company, you know, they picked him up because he had sold so many books, and because right. he had already had a following, you know, the next book, of course, automatically became a bestseller. His first book mm-hmm. didn't even come, become a first bestseller until his second book became a bestseller. But, you know, that happens so many different times. I mean, that happens to so many different people, politicians, celebrities, you know. They wrote exactly. because they had a message, they had something they wanted to say. And not saying they didn't reach their intended audience, but their audience in the beginning was a lot smaller than, you know, what it wound up being when it hit bestseller. But the yes. thing is, you know, for me anyway, is that if you have a message, can you really afford to sit on that message? Yes. Can you afford for that audience that needs your message not to have that book? I don't know if you're talking to me, Alicia, but it's not working. I wasn't. I wasn't. No, that was just a general thing. With you, it's a little bit different, Nate. With you, it's a little bit different. I just want to be very copy so I can be nosy and read the book. I wasn't trying to inspire you. That was a general statement to the regular audience. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Well, but I good information. She was really good. Um, I'm going to make yeah. sure I call her. Not this week because I'm going to be. I'm going to tune her out this oh, week because I'm in pain. But next week I will call her. Um, Here we go. And, okay. Yeah, and discuss those things. Yeah, because I do want to. Like I said, I want to pick back up. And get those done. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But um, next week we have Pastor Darren Phelps, who Ooh. will be coming on to the show, and he is basically going to give us some biblical answers to some of life's toughest questions. Um, a few of the questions um, was that question that Jay had brought up a couple of weeks ago about you know the Bible tells us to tithe and. Do you tithe or do you pay your, your, your light bill? Yeah. Do you tithe or do you, yes. do you take your baby to the doctor? Um, also, um, and, and I've experienced this in a lot of churches, you know, some pe- some preachers will tell you to pray and just um, pray without ceasing. And then some pe- people say that you pray and you don't ask God anymore. They're showing lack of faith. So we, he's going to tell us, you know, when you pray, for, pray to God for certain things, do you continue to pray for that or do you pray and let that be gone? Move on to something else. So he's going to talk to us about a lot of things that have been submitted, and the offer is still open to all the folks who have questions um, for Pastor Phelps to answer. To please um, yeah. get those questions in, and for our listeners also, we'll be taking live questions that next Sunday as well. 
Yeah. I just want Pastor Phelps to say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Oh, you know he will. You know he will. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He's going to be here next week. Um, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Um, make, make sure you get the book out there, everybody, so we can take a look at it. Yes, I'm going to have it edited this week. Keep praying for me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Get the <laughs> I've been editing the book for nine years. It's been nine years. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. Send me the unedited yeah. version, honey. <laughs> but, Will, it's still uh, recovery to you. Thank so, you. Thank you. Right, everybody have a blessed week, and talk to you next week. All right. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.